Welcome to the Global Wellness HQ family of podcasts. We are your international headquarters for resources and ideas and insight in relation to the nine elements of holistic wellness. Join us as we interview local and international wellness experts and learn how you can implement and improve one element or dimension of wellness at a time. Our experts will share their practical tips on wellness in one of these core areas. Emotional, intellectual, occupational, physical, environmental, financial, spiritual, social, or habitual. We created our family of podcasts as a resource for anyone who is looking to integrate the nine elements of holistic wellness into their daily lives. Welcome to the show. The Global Wellness HQ family of podcasts is proudly sponsored by the Global Wellness HQ community. It's an online membership group where we meet, we share ideas, we share insights, and we all work together and help one another discover our own personal wellness journeys. If you'd like to join us, you can easily click the link below or scan the QR code, and we love hearing your stories, so we hope to see you in the community. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. In today's episode, Episode. I'm really excited to have a conversation with Nancy Zare. Nancy, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you. I'm excited to be here. And as always, we have my co-host Pete Kane. Pete, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeff. Glad to be here with Nancy. Awesome. Well, Nancy, why don't we start? Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Nancy Zare rhymes with care, starts with a Z for zestful. And uh, I am a psychologist, have a PhD from Boston College. I use my knowledge of human behavior specifically to help people communicate better in a sales situation. I take what is in plain sight, like when you're looking at somebody, how they're dressed, how they talk, how they behave, so I take what's in plain sight and I give you insight into how that person communicates and how they might make a buying decision so you can build rapport and connect with that person quickly and authentically. I love it. And for our listeners, I'd just like to point out that Nancy literally wears many hats. Um, Nancy, would you mind explaining the hats to us? Yeah, because uh, I wear many hats because entrepreneurs do wear many hats and the hat, uh, they love what they do. The, the, at least my ideal uh, market loves what they do. They've been well-trained, educated to uh, develop that skill, that knowledge bank, and yet they hate to sell. And one of the things that they have to do is market and sell. And, you know, when they graduated or they got their license or whatever it is they did to become certified in their occupation. They were so excited to share their gifts and then the air went out of the balloon because they realized, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to put myself out in the block and somehow tell people what it is I do and get them to quote, buy me. I love it. And uh, I think that's a, actually a great conversation starter. Um, one of the, the things I hear a lot is, you know, like you said, people get their certification, they start their business, and then they don't want to sell. Um, what's your experience? What's the, the baggage behind that particular loaded statement? statement. 
I think it comes from our own experiences as consumers in which we have had people sell to us. And in some cases, that experience has been unpleasant. The individual was gung-ho about whatever it was that he or she was peddling. And our sales resistance got higher and higher as this person got stronger and stronger in their their uh, desire to get us as a you know uh, a buyer. And that experience of feeling that we got mistreated, maybe even we felt the person was unethical. Perhaps they um, were bending the facts in order to make the sale. It's those sorts of things, Jeff and Pete, that I think make us as professionals say, I don't want to be like that. This is not in alignment with my values. And so much of marketing today is in that over-the-top kind of hype place where people are, again, feeling like, oh, someone's pressuring me. And the last thing that our my my client wants to do is is pressure and annoy the other person. I love that. And I think there is an inherent assumption that sales is something we do to people. And and personally, and I think you and I are in alignment with this, I believe that sales is something we can do for people. And if we have the right mindset, it's the highest form of service there could be. You know, it's I'm glad you used the word service, Jeff, because it was in my reading about selling because I, I honestly I did not grow up thinking I was going to do any selling let alone become a sales psychologist what the heck is that um I didn't want anything to do with selling but when I came across that message that selling is service that it's a matter of identifying the needs in the other person and their wants and serving them fulfilling those needs offering solutions for their issues. That's what made me feel like, you know what? This is something that I can wrap my arms around. I can feel good about it because I've always been a a person who has wanted to serve others. I love that. And I think that's a, a huge distinction because most of the sales training out there is very much about me getting my quota. It's about me, 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 me. And I'm not kidding. I actually had a salesperson who called me. He was a friend of mine and he said, but Jeff, you've got to buy something. I have a quota. And if I don't meet my quota, I don't get my bonus. And I was like, wow, <laughs> does that ever work? You know? <laughs> no. And it, you know, it's interesting um, when people go to their warm market like that, their close market, what happens is they become a member of what's called the NFL, No Friends Left. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love it. Okay. And, uh, and, and I do see that happen a lot. People get overzealous, you know, with the, I've got to either make the quota or, you know, I'm going to win a trip or the, whatever the incentive is. And it's to the detriment of the relationship. Yeah. But selling is about a relationship. And a relationship that isn't just a one and done, thank you, ma'am, you know, I'm off. It's about a relationship that lasts into the future. Because if you have received compensation for whatever item, um, maybe it's a product, like I sell, I have books, you might have bought a book of mine, or it could be a service, maybe you've attended a workshop, a webinar, uh, you know, a coaching program, etc. 
whatever I'm compensated should be so much less than the value that you take home and that you receive over and over and over again. I love it. And I think the irony, all the people who teach, you know, the, the sales tactics that are done to somebody, you know, when they teach you, you know, how to manipulate somebody into the close, ironically, one of the things they have to get better at is prospecting because they're never building that relationship. They're always one and done, one and done. And they're always looking for the next prospect to sell to, um, I think in your world, and you and I have had some fun conversations, it is truly about a relationship. And and one of the things I'm going to ask you to do is define relationship because I, I find um, I actually had one sales trainer who asked me how I'd fake sincerity. And I was like, you can't. So I've learned to define key words like relationship. So how would you describe a relationship in the sales setting? Oh my goodness, I've never been asked to define the word relationship, but it has to be something that's mutual between both parties. Remember, there there, there needs to be a, a mutual respect, a mutual appreciation, and a mutual desire to benefit one another. That mutuality is necessary in the relationship. And what I think often happens, and that, again, goes back to that initial question of why is it that professional people hate to sell or hate the idea of selling? It's because the mutuality is gone. It feels like it's a transaction, a one-way street in which I, again, I'm doing something to you. You know, I'm doing it to you. And when it's done to you, then it's all over. But as I define a relationship, it's ongoing. It isn't all over. It it hopefully continues to grow and build and thrive. And a really good relationship has additional, um, you know, I was going to give the relationship like a family because the offspring happen. You know, yeah. earlier, Jeff, we were talking and it's been very true that you've referred people to me. I've referred people to you. Our network, our relationship is actually growing because of the fact that we are getting to know each other better, getting to understand what it is that we can do to benefit one another. And we genuinely, we don't have to be incentivized. We genuinely want to see the other person thrive. I love that. And I think that's so important. Everybody's looking for the quick win. And, you know, I, I call traditional sales, there's the empty calories because you always need to find the next, you know, sugar hit. Whereas if you take the time and build the relationship, it's like eating well and, and feeling well, you're going to have that sense of, of peace and wellness because you're not running around trying to trick people into giving you money. Um, the other thing yeah, I really I like that idea of empty calories, because I think a lot of times that's what, again, gives sales a bad reputation. People walk away with empty calories. They purchase something with the expectation it was going to be fulfilling, nurturing, you know, that it was going to give them energy or vitality. And it was an empty bag. I love that. And I have a I quick question. Can I throw one in for Nancy? Sure, so I have a friend and he uh, comes from corporate background. He's since retired 10 years. And so I was talking to a guy he's working with in a nonprofit. And I said, such and such 
what do you think holds him back? And he said, rejection. I said, yeah, that's probably right. And growing up in corporate, there wasn't as much years ago of creating massive value. So it, as a result, salary. And you think that you're going to get a certain amount of no's because you're not creating that massive value. But it seems like the last five or so years, there's been a shift to create value. If Nancy creates a ton of value, I'm like running to get her books. I'm running to her services. I'm not trying to answer a social media post that she put out there that it looks pretty typical. She create massive value. Now it's time for me to put my money where I think I'm going to get a great return. So it seems like that shift has happened. And I was trying to tell him, hey, it's not like that now. It's create massive, let people lean into you. Love that concept of let people lean into you and creating value because again, that is really what sales is, is it's an exchange of energy, you yes. know, and in some cases the energy takes the form of dollar bills. And in the other case, it, it takes other forms, you know, but there's an exchange going on mm -hmm. and that exchange again should benefit both people. Yes, totally agree. And I think too many sales transactions where it gets truly transactional, it's I win, you lose. Like it, it's always about the the score. Yep. Whereas I think a relationship-based sale is we both win and we better because I'm going to see you tomorrow and yep. you know, you're going to introduce me to my next client. And honestly, I feel a lot of people tell me they don't have time to build relationships. I think we don't have time to not. Um, yes. What do you think of that, Nancy? Wow, interesting you should say that because yesterday I had a conversation with a fellow that you know was trying to get to know and it was very evident. He said he doesn't like networking and he really doesn't want to build relationships. And he shared with me very candidly, he's very quote analytical. And uh, I would also insert the word transactional. And I knew Jeff, you know, within minutes of starting this conversation that, that this was not someone that I wanted to develop, or, nor could I maybe develop a relationship with him because, yeah. you know, it wasn't within his spirit and in his heart to have relationships and to invest in them. You know, it was strictly like, you know, if you're scratching my back, I'll scratch yours, but you better scratch mine first. Yep. Now, yeah. it's that kind of... Um, you know, philosophy. And I remember Earl Nightingale, maybe, I don't know if you uh, are, are a fan of his, uh, but you know, I, I yeah, <laughs> when it, long ago and far away, yeah. well, Earl Nightingale, um, I remember his giving the story about, you know, you want warmth from a fire, you've got to put the wood in and yep. the kindling and you got to light it before you're going to get heat and, and uh, warmth from that fire. And so you have to invest in others. You have to give value uh, before you can expect to get anything else. Or as course, his famous Zig Ziglar said, you know, if you help enough people get what they want, then you're going to get what you want. Yep. And, and I think that's a, a world where a lot of transactional people are like, no, no, no. It, it is literally you're standing in front of the fireplace saying, if you give me warmth, I'll put wood in. That's such an absurd 
obscene example, people go, oh, that doesn't make sense. Yet in sales, people are like, what do you mean it doesn't work that way? Like, I, I have a quota. I need to meet it. Why, why aren't right. you helping me? That's right. Or, you know, the person who at online or in-person networking events is throwing the business card and information in your face, you know, and here's my stuff and here's my goods, you know, and there's like no attempt to say, well, you know, is there a relationship? Do we want to develop a relationship? Um, you know, it surprises me, but that it, that is common. Um, certainly, I don't do that, but it, it, it all, I have seen that behavior often. Well, it's my personal pet peeve in networking. When I introduce two people, my stated assumption to both is you're going to take time to build a relationship. And it always amazes me how many people come back and say, Jeff, please don't introduce me to anyone like that again, because they immediately went for the hard sell. And it's like, does that ever work? I mean, maybe it does, but personally i don't want to live in a world where we manipulate one another and we we get the sale and then i have to look you in the eye tomorrow and oh how did it go well i sold you an empty bag of hot air yeah definitely it's not about the sale it is about the relationship and if you develop the relationships the sales happen and it may not be from the very person that you are currently building relationship with, because again, relationships spawn new relationships. And hence it could be from their network of people, et cetera. You know, earlier today I was asked by a web developer, you know, what was the purpose of my website? And I answered him that it, it was a brochure and he went on to educate me differently in terms of his point of view. But what the point that I wanted to share with you is how we need to, wow, wait a sec, my, the thought just flew out of my brain. Um, <laughs> so it's about, it's about the fact that people really need to know who you are and search for you. And that if you don't, again, give them that opportunity, it's not going to happen. Um, we have to we have to develop relationships and it, and there are many ways today in our amazing society that we live in to develop relationships it used to be that you were limited to your geographical area and your ability to travel within that geographical area and the time it took you to go here and there and now because of the um, you know miracle of internet and uh, etc. We have the opportunity to do business with people literally around the world. Of that, and I think uh, one of the the quotes that's in my head is, um, "Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care." Yes. Um, and I first attribute that to Theodore Roosevelt, but yeah. you know, it is fascinating because you know. Zig Ziglar is probably one of the greatest sales trainers of all time. And he was very adamant that you had to help others get what they need before you. And yet somehow that message has fallen out of popularity or, or disappeared. Um, now, Nancy, I want to talk about your book, No Pressure Selling. Um, what are a couple of big tips what were your favorite you know because i i know whenever i write a book i i have my favorite things but what are some favorite things that somebody listening to the podcast today can take away and implement to make their life better 
So the subtitle of the book is 15 Proven Formulas for Increasing Sales. And I want to share with you one of those formulas. The formula we that, and by the way, I have a co-author. Her name is Mary Peckus. And Mary has started a telemarketing center back in the 1980s. It was virtual when both telemarketing centers and virtual workplaces were like, uh, you know, not heard of. And she was a woman, et cetera. But she served uh, Fortune 500 companies in which she received inbound and placed outbound calls uh, for purposes of selling, selling things like an appointment. Like, can we, you know, have the, uh, the salesperson go and meet with you? I share this as my co-author because... Uh, she was the one who originally created the um, the wording, and every word was carefully researched. And I have then taken it and, of course, applied it to today in a different kind of society than when she first developed it. And guess what? 85% or more of people who hear the what I'm going to call the no to yes formula change their minds from having said no to yes. Now, all of us are bound to get no at some point. And Pete, earlier you mentioned the word rejection, which is a big bugaboo for so many people who, quote, are in sales. I mean, and even if they don't think they're in sales, many of us don't like rejection, right? So here's the no formula that I'd like to share. And I'm going to share both the words and the delivery. The words are the words, and as a psychologist, I'll unpack how those words, why they matter. But I also want you to pay attention to the delivery, because the delivery has to do with the use of our voice. Um, things like pausing, obviously leaving blank spaces to allow the mind to think, and also to lean in, like, wait, did I miss something? And also inflection. Inflection is when the voice goes up the scale or down the scale. When the voice typically goes up, it sounds like a question. And when the voice goes down, it sounds like a statement. So I'm going to deliver the no formula, listen for the pauses and the inflection, and then I'll go over the words of the no formula. Fair enough? Perfect. Yep. Okay, here goes. You have just... Jeff, I would like to put you on my mailing list. And your answer is? No. Yes. Be uh, um, I, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm forgetting my no formula. When is, where is my no formula? <laughs> it's later in the afternoon. Yeah. We <laughs> did it at 10 o'clock in the morning. I need another drink. Wait a sec. Hmm. <laughs> You know, it's happened to me once before. It's like, I know this formula so well, and then I go, and then out of the brain, right? Okay, so um, you've just said no, and I have just said yes. Um, you know, I understand that um, the timing isn't always right. However, with your permission, may I touch base with you periodically? Yes. So no, so... Let me unpack now the words. So you've said no, and you're prepared for me to defend or push back or resist. And instead, I align with you and say, yes, you've said no, and I'm agreeing with you, yes. But now I'm actually giving you a reason for why you said no. The timing isn't always right. 
In other words, I'm Hello. actually changing your no from a no, I don't want to be on your mailing list or whatever it is I've requested to no, the timing isn't right for me to be on the mailing list. And then I say, now, now that we are locked together and we're joined, I say, you know, however, however signals that we're about to make a shift, however, and I give you a reason, since things have a way of changing. Now, maybe pre-COVID people didn't realize that things were changing, but gosh, darn heck, we now know that things change and they can change quickly. So, you know, and things do have a way of changing. May I... And with your permission, may I, that is a request. So, and that's where my question was, may I, with your, with your permission, may I? And now I get very folksy, touch base with you periodically. Touch base is of course a very gentle thing. Periodically doesn't give a time span. Although I could have said, may I touch base with you in a month or you know whatever period of time. We have tested this formula and found that it works over 85% of the time. When someone is given this formula, in the way I've just laid it out, with the delivery in which you're asking the question, may I, with your permission, touch base with you periodically. And when you follow that, that delivery pattern, by golly, people will give you permission. I think that they may be saying in their heads, oh, they're never going to bother with me again, touch base, eh, whatever. I've got rid of them. They agreed with me. I said, no, they didn't argue. Wonderful. I'm off the hook. And then guess what? In a month or two or three, I call you back up, Jeff. And they say, hey, Jeff, if you recall, you gave me permission to touch base. I am. I'm tuning in. How are things going? Is this a better time for us to blah, 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 blah? So that is the no formula that comes from the book, No Pressure Selling. There are 14 other juicy formulas in the <laughs> book uh, that, uh, again, each formula has been tested and shown to have uh, validity not only on the phone, because that's how Mary did most of her work, but in person or online, which is how I do mine. I, I love it. And I think one of the things that, that fascinates me is that traditional salespeople celebrate somebody who closes 20%. Like literally, you're going to be president's club if you can close 20% of cold traffic. Um, if you could improve that number, and uh, I'm not smart enough to do the math in my head, but you know, if you assume 80% are saying no, and and now with your formula, eighty five percent of those eighty percent um, are going to say yes or maybe or you know come back. That that all you need to do is get a couple of extra points, and you can be above President's Club. Well, and here's the the scoop. What are we actually saying yes to? The relationship continuing, which is yes. what we just were talking about. So really, what I'm saying, Jeff, is let's stay in relationship. Yeah. And that's what you're consenting to do when when you give me permission to touch base again. Yeah. And so hence it's the you know and and 85% I mean it's probably closer to 95% to be honest there are very few people who will absolutely say get out of my hair that's the end I never want to talk to you again. Yeah. Um very few people will say that hence this formula keeps the relationship alive. It keeps it on a, a, a neutral, positive track. Yeah. 
I, I love that. And I think that's a huge thing for people listening. And and I'm going to be blunt, the transactional people who want the deal closed today, they're not going to be reading Nancy's book. And, and that's okay, right? <laughs> no. And, and again, it's called No Pressure Selling. This is a book for people who don't want to pressure other people. <laughs> and maybe I should have just said no pressure and then, you know, very quietly selling. Yeah. Because yeah. people, my people don't even want to think that they're selling, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and honestly, the people listening to this podcast are, are in this relationship camp to start with so i think um, the only reason i bring that up is i have had people ask how do you fake sincerity and to me that's a troubling question on so many levels yeah yes it 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 suggests that that is in their repertoire right and they're assuming it's in yours (laughs) yeah well and and in in all fairness the the course i was teaching at the time was called ethical selling for professionals and it was written specifically for accountants who don't want to be salespeople and who are naturally very curious and they care about adding value Um, the person who asked about faking sincerity was a life insurance salesman and i'm still confused to this day how he got in the room (laughs) but uh yeah there's those closing hackers they try to come in and steal some key things about relationships yeah he he said jeff this is brilliant this is amazing i love it but the thing you didn't tell us was how do you fake sincerity and i'm like if i have to tell you that you don't belong in this room yeah that fish out of water right there so as i think i shared with you before jeff uh, i i one of the things that i am aware of is i look at people from four different lenses and that's hence again the hats you know entrepreneurs wear many hats well four different ways of you know a a hat and it has to do with uh personality style and there is one style of the four styles that takes shortcuts that wants to get to the top that will do anything to you know be the winner and um you know it's when that individual is very low in people skills and in caring about humanity, that person can be ruthless. Yeah. I love that. And it's good for those of us who build relationships. You know, there are times, I mean, you know, if I have a transaction, I don't need a relationship with the person at, you know, my local bookstore selling me the book. It's like, give me the book and I'm going to leave. But it's knowing which transactions are important enough that we're going to build a relationship. So I'm smiling because even the example you just gave, had the clerk wanted to develop a relationship with you, she would, she or he would know what the title of the book is, what genre that was. And they might say, you know, there's a great book out there that's similar to this. Are you familiar with? So again, serving our people, you know, and there may not be a, quote, uh, a a first name relationship going on. But if that person has a service oriented perspective, then they're going to take note of these things and want to serve you even better. And it's funny, because as I say it, I remember I actually had an instance where I went in and asked a question and the manager of the store dropped everything. And she walked me around the store literally for half an hour and said, you know, um, if you like this, you might like this. If you want this, you might. And I was like, you don't get that on on online purchases. (laughs) 
<laughs> wow, isn't that a wonderful thing to um, note that you don't get that kind of customer service on online? Although I do notice that I'm a subscriber to Audible, and they will—they are now sending me messages saying, "Well, if you listen to this, you might like that." Yeah, and uh, they're—you know—so they're trying in the best way they know how. Yeah. So, if you had to recommend an Audible title, Nancy, because I. I did go down. I had about one time when I was at Shepherd. Now I'm down to three that I could use. What would be a good title that I could uh, ask you? Funny you should ask, Pete, because my book is just about to be launched on Audible November fifteenth. One of my credits for you. <laughs> no so, pressure selling. Uh, yeah, no pressure selling is coming out as an audio book in oh. uh, mid November. Um, but there, there are there are many books, and again, I would need to know your your interests, and you know, before I could recommend something. Yeah, uh, relationships, I I love. So anything that ties in, I, I have a quick another quick question. I got, I was telling Jeff, I get up real early, so I'm usually taking a nap by now. So if I'm not talking, I could be dozing off, not <laughs> because I'm not interested, because the brain is starting to. Sh Okay, here's my quick question. I was, um, so I'm going to this PT and I'm talking to the, the staff and I, there's a definite difference between guys and gals when it comes to PTs. And I was telling the guy, I said, you got a big disadvantage. He said, what are you talking about? I said, well, you were born a guy. Yeah, what, what's, what's so good? I love sports. Da, 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 da. I said, you don't have sixth sense. You don't have that inborn understanding of human nature the, the way women do. And it's amazing because I have two sisters, two daughters, five granddaughters. I've gotten a little bit from each, which has helped. But really, I'm leaving the PT because he made a big error. I asked him, can I, who makes the decisions on uh, contributions to charity? And he goes, the big boss. I said, how do you get to the big boss? He said, through me. I said, how do I get through you? And he goes, uh, just, just, uh, I said, okay, I want to ask you. And he goes, well, I got a meeting. Uh, I'll be finishing an hour. I said, an hour meeting? What are you guys going to do? I said, I only need one, two, three, four minutes, not much. And he goes, well, I got to do this meeting first. And I went, well, that's the last time I'll see you because that's not a good answer. Patient, love on me, not on a meeting and what you're going to cover with a staff member. So it's that difference. Do you see that difference in selling between women and men? Well, it's interesting you're making it a gender issue because I don't think it is. I do think that there are men who are sensitive and concerned that, again, it goes back to, you know, are you transactional in a mindset or are you uh, service oriented? And people who are the service oriented people come in both genders. And uh, I know men who are very sensitive and caring, you know, about serving people uh, and not putting them off. So it, it was more his personality style than it really was his gender. Okay. Well, that's good to clarify that because that, that does make sense. He he has a different style than the, yeah. than some of the PT 
ladies that were in there, which so were there you go. Um, and again, I mentioned earlier that there are four personality styles. Yeah. People may be familiar with Disc or Myers Briggs or uh, their animals, colors, symbol, you know, all sorts of things. I happen to use numbers to represent the four styles. Oh, and the oh. numbers equal how long it takes someone to make up their mind. Okay. And so the, the number, the numbers are two, four, six, and eight. Our number two buyer makes up their mind in only one, at most two sessions. They're quick, they want it off their plate, they're decisive, they're action takers, and off they go. And by the way, if you don't ask them on the first time you meet for the sale, believe me, they will have found someone else and bought something else because that is that that is their goal. They want yeah. it to done. And then we've got our number four buyer. We've been talking a lot, really, about the number four person, because this is the heart-centered individual who wants a relationship. That's their primary value. First and foremost, it's about connecting with people authentically, you know, with sincerity, right? Not faking it. And then we've got our numbers. Uh, by the way, they're fairly fast. Two or three contacts, they make up their mind, plus one. So if you add one to three, you get four. And what is the plus one about? Within 24 hours of this person saying yes, you want to circle back and make sure that they know I care about you and not just that it was a transaction because they're very sensitive about this. This is the person who gets buyer's remorse, returns things, no-shows, and so forth. Then we've got our number six buyer. They take about six or seven contacts. If you know anything about sales statistics, 70% of sales happen after six contacts. So this is our average buyer. And they need to ask the Better Business Bureau or the directories uh, for recommendations, uh, five-star reviews, whatever it is that will assure them and help them know that they are safe and protected, that there is a process and a system and that they're going to be taken care of. So they have to get recommendations and, and referrals. And then finally, our number eight buyer. Eight is just the beginning. Turn the eight on its side and it becomes infinity because this is the person that takes forever to think about it, make up their mind and have to ask questions and learn before he or she can go forward. So you're... The person that you were referring to a moment ago is probably a strong six. Six likes to follow the rules. They want the ducks in order. There's a meeting happening in a minute. I've got to be at the meeting. Sorry, patient, you're going to have to wait because you weren't scheduled. And that's, that's a very typical response that comes from a number six. They like working with people and they're often have jobs in which they are working with other people and they're pleasant and they're courteous and they're mannerly, but they're also rule followers. And that means that sometimes it's black and white and they don't bend the rules. The rules become more important than the situation. Um, the number four person, again, is drawn to helping people. They're natural helpers. And so the PTs that maybe you're dealing with are number fours. They're very people-oriented. It's all about you and what can I do? And they tend to spend extra time and give you extra, extra because they just want to give. So how do you work with a six? In, Carefully. In a <laughs> with that? Carefully. In uh, other words, you, you first of all, with a six, you show up early. 
because they, they have a time schedule and, you know, they're going to take you immediately on time. So you need to be early to make sure that it starts because it has to start on the hour and it has to end at, you know, at or before the designated time. Um, it's basically mannerly. It's uh, a lot of times, you know, we assume in the United States that we can call people by their first name, but until you get permission, I would call this person by their title, you know, Mr. or Ms. or whatever the name might be, um, and, and, and ask for permission, but make sure you get it before, you know, because they are very mannerly, very courteous. You spend about two or three minutes talking about the weather or a neutral topic, like the ball team and what the score was. Uh, and then you get down to business and you focus on, because they're very serious and they're very business oriented. And so that is basically how you would handle a six. Don't surprise them. You wanna make, you so you want to make an appointment to discuss your situation, even though it's only gonna be a few minutes. You do wanna say, yes, let's put this on the calendar and make a formal appointment. And you may have to follow it up with a proposal in writing because this person wants all, everything spelled out, all the details, all the logistics, exactly what it is that you're saying. Interesting perspective. Thank you, Nancy. And, and I think if I can chime in and uh, I'm filling in a couple of blanks in my brain, but the reality is first of all, you need to know which type you are, because that's going to determine how you want to be treated. But the other thing, and, and I think this is where the most successful relationship builders, whether they're sales or not, they recognize where the other person is and try to meet them there. Because um, I, I suspect most sales knows come because you've completely disregarded, you know, it, it's, I, I'm, I'm a one, I'm not even a two, because usually it's, it's like, I, I've decided before we've gone, you know, past the hellos, um, and it's either a yes or a no, but nothing drives me crazier than somebody who wants to lay out a proposal and give me the 57 infinite points. And it's like, I'd rather be stabbed in the eye with a needle. Um, so comment on that, Nancy. If oh, you you would. It's all, everything you said is absolutely the truth that the best salespeople, even if they're not prof quote professionals, uh, they're chameleons. They shift themselves to match the other person. And the foundation for the work that I do is the platinum rule. And I'm sure people have heard of the golden rule, which is to treat others the way I want to be treated. The platinum rule is treat others the way they want to be treated. And when I discovered the platinum rule, it absolutely aligned with my values. And I knew right away that that was the foundation of, of what it is I do, because I help my clients speak the language of the other person. It isn't about me, it's about you. And that's what Zig Ziglar was saying when he said, help others and you'll get what you want. So yeah. if the focus is on the other person, you will succeed. You know, we are so self-centered. We're it's all about me, 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 and self, etc. And you know, the bet, and that's why I think rejection hurts. You know, if we stop thinking about ourselves and realize that what's in the best interest of the other person. Yeah. You know, it isn't necessarily that they should buy or my product or my service. Maybe the best interest is something else. Well, and, and I get a lot of value out of conversations with you, Nancy. Today's big takeaway for me was the platinum rule, because even 
as nice as the golden rule sounds, it's the way I'd like to be treated. And and I love that nuance of how they'd like to be treated. I, I suspect a lot of friction in life could be avoided if we treated people the way they want to be treated. Um, now, we're going to wrap up in a minute here. And Pete, if you have to drop off, you can. But thank you for being here. Um, Nancy, yeah, what's... I'll let you guys finish up because uh, I got my pick my wife up at the airport in not too long. All, All right. right. Nice to meet you. Nice okay. to meet you too. God bless. Thanks, okay. Pete. You too. So, Nancy, we, we went on some tangents, which is always fun. Um, what's the best way for somebody to get in touch with you if they want to learn more about working with you and, and embracing no pressure selling? So, uh, obviously, I have a website. I have LinkedIn, Facebook, you know, uh, I'm, those are all great platforms. Uh, I can also give you my, my email, which is an easy one. It's nancy.zare. Uh, the, and the spelling of Zare, remember it rhymes with care, Z-A-R-E, at Gmail. So that's probably the easiest way for people to contact me. Awesome. Now, you are an expert in a vast field. Is there anything I should have asked you that I didn't before we wrap up? I think we've covered a lot of things. I mean, we could, of course, talk about all sorts of things, spiritual and woo-woo. And, you know, we could go <laughs> into other realms here. But in terms of what we discussed, I think it was great. Love it. Well, I really, really appreciate your time today, Nancy. And I want to thank you for showing up and, and being your authentic self for my listeners. <laughs> I'm so glad that I could be authentic without having to fake it, Jeff. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and we invite you to either click the link below or scan the QR code to register and listen to other episodes of our podcast. Or if you think your business or you would be a great guest to be on our show, we're always looking for experts in one of the nine elements of holistic wellness. We'd love to have you. You can either click the link below or you can scan the QR code and complete our speaker intake form. Thank you and to your wellness.